Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. What's up, everybody? How are you guys? Yes, my name is Mariah, and I get the honor and enjoy um, to talk to you guys tonight. So, um, we are going to dive in. Um, I was out of town last weekend, but um, man, I have so enjoyed the last month and just getting like equipped and empowered um, going through the spiritual warfare series. And I'm excited tonight to launch us into something new. Um, welcome to the gospel series. Who loves the gospel? Yes. Actually, last time I was up here, I think I said that. I was like, man, I love the gospel. And then, so uh, be thankful for things and they multiply, right? <laughs> um, okay, so when Jesus preached, what did he actually preach? Uh, the gospel, right? But what is it? What is the good news? And why would we repent into it? So if you haven't noticed, um, the parents are away. And so Alex, Jake, Becky, a lot of our leadership team are on the road. Um, but I have a quote from Alex to kind of set vision for um, the series today. And so this is words from Pastor Al himself. Um, we are going to be looking at the gospel over the next month. And for many, this word could seem trite or already understood. But we want to show you just how many facets the gospel actually has. I like the image of a diamond. Just like a diamond refracts light and beauty when turned to look at it from different angles, we are going to spin the gospel around a few times to look at all the different facets of what the good news is. Tonight, we are gonna spin that diamond and look at the message of the gospel of the kingdom. So before we jump in, let me pray. God, thank you so much um, just for your presence, Lord. Thank you that you're so active. God, you're on the move in so many hearts tonight. And so, God, we just give you this teaching. We give you this message, Lord, and invite you in to come and move. Father, we lay down any of our um, ideas of what your kingdom should look like. Lord, we want to hear from you. So, Jesus, come and meet us. I thank you for the people in this room, for their hunger. God, for their desire to just follow you, um, Lord, whatever that looks like. And so I just pray fresh courage over them tonight, Jesus. I pray fresh joy over them, God, and we give you the rest of tonight for your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So the verse that we're going to launch out of tonight is Mark 1, 14 through 15. It says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. Proclaiming the good news of God, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Many people don't think of the kingdom of God as part of the gospel. I know I didn't. In fact, I didn't even know what the heck the kingdom of God was. And tonight we're going to uh, take some time to trace the scriptures and see what Jesus meant um, and how this is good news for us today. So starting 
um, in Genesis, and we've talked a lot about that over the last few weeks, um, but we can see God's kingdom not just in the New Testament, but the Old Testament too. Um, in Genesis, uh, the Old Testament starts where God had a plan with Adam and Eve to expand the garden kingdom and with his children, but they left the home that they had in his presence. They fell instead into chaos, corruption, and confusion. Humans saw God's idea of what the kingdom was, and they said, we can do this better. We can reign. This is the template of what we see in the Old Testament as Israel chooses and falls away, and God's people try to rule without God himself. And so in Kings, um, and after that, uh, after they escape a foreign kingdom of Egypt in the Exodus, um, they arrive in the promised land. Um, for the kingdom of Israel, and the Jews don't know how to not have a king at this point. And so they actually reject God's reign, and we're going to read a passage out of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 8. It says this, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So here we get a snapshot of just the story of Israel seeking a king. Um, And from here on the story, good kings come and bad kings come. But no matter what, the kingdoms that these people established kept falling as their leaders did, as the kings fell. Over and over again, death and destruction was actually what was ruling over Israel, over God's people. The ways of the kingdoms of this world without the goodness of God will overpromise and underdeliver. All throughout the scriptures, the Israelites are looking for somebody to tell them what they're doing is right, but at the same time pushing God away. So wanting somebody to say, yes, what you're doing is right, but we don't want to be led. We don't want to be led by you, God. So we will go our own way. And in fact, they're being led by other things, not the goodness of the Lord who created them. People want to be empowered and protected. That's what good leadership is. The Israelites recognized a need for a king, and they invited judgment of other kings who would lay a heavy burden on them. They are looking for the right authority to tell them how to live, but nobody could meet the standard. Nobody could meet the perfect standard of what it meant to lead people into life. And so Israel was looking for a king. And when Jesus announces the kingdom, it sounded different than the Jews may have expected based on their history. It wasn't a bunch of battle notes. It wasn't a bunch of, all right, guys, start doing some push-ups. We're going to go to war. It was a different kind of kingdom. Um, All through the scriptures, Jesus actually describes it in parables. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I read the parables and I'm like, what the heck? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed or a dragnet? I don't understand what's going on. Um, 
And uh, these two I want, I want to highlight for us tonight in what the Lord's um, taking us into. And it's Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and he sold all he had bought, all he had, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went away and sold all he had and bought it. Um, a couple things to note in these. These are two men, a merchant, a pearl person. I don't know what you call somebody who seeks pearls. Um, they're looking for something valuable and they've accumulated a ton already. And they, they find what Jesus is describing as the kingdom and immediately they leave everything behind and they go after what the true kingdom is. Um, so we're gonna go into one more story about somebody who didn't necessarily choose the same. And this is the rich young ruler. Um, and my question to put on your mind before this is, what keeps us from receiving the kingdom of God? What keeps somebody from accepting the goodness of God, everything that they were created for, the kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming in the gospel. And so this is Matthew 10. As he was setting, there it is, out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Remember that. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him. I love that. And said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was not one, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus responded again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I think the way that this rich young ruler, which side note, isn't that what so many people in our age right now want, to be rich and young and ruling. Um, the way that he approaches Jesus is significant. He comes up to him and he says, teacher. So the first thing I thought of is that he's looking for something to follow X, Y, Z, right? All through the Old Testament, um, the Israelites were expecting a king that was very apparent somebody who walks in and is a king. Like, oh yeah, that, if I follow that guy, then I'm gonna be rich and young and ruling in this age right now. Um, and so he approaches Jesus as a teacher. Um, and this man has everything already, right? He has a kingdom of his own because it calls him a ruler, um, but is, he's still looking for something more. He's looking for a promise. He's looking for recognition of what he's done. He's looking for glory, security, and the response from Jesus is that he's still lacking something. The approach he's coming up to Jesus 
Jesus responds to you in love and knows that he's still lacking something. And rather than selling all he has with joy, like we see in the parables, he turns away sad and defeated, trapped with a kingdom that he already has, but actually has him. This parable I don't think is only talking about wealth. This parable and story of a ruler, sorry, story of the ruler, um, this is talking about so many other things that we can get caught up in. This, I think, is the reason that people, they, they see Jesus, they see what he has to offer, but there is something holding us back um, to say yes to him. Jesus says, leave the kingdom you've created your, to, for yourself and come follow me. It sounds harsh until you read Matthew 6.33, which says this, seek first the kingdom and all else will be added to you. What happens when you bring all that you've built up for yourself and lay it at Jesus' feet? You get something better, and what you have gets rightly ordered. Relationship with God, access to his presence, which is peace, joy, forgiveness, perfect love that casts out fear, a spirit of power, of understanding. But the gate into the kingdom is narrow, so you can't bring anything in. You can't bring your sin, and you also can't bring your own description of righteousness. The young ruler, he says, good teacher, and what does Jesus respond with? He says, only God is good. All through Israel's history, they were defining good for themselves. They were rejecting what, they, what God had said is good, and they were coming up with something themselves. And right here, the rich young ruler, he has in his mind an idea of good. He has an idea of what the kingdom should look like. He has an idea of what he should be able to bring in or not bring in. You can't bring in your sin. You can't bring in your riches. You can't bring in old ideas of how to earn your keep or statuses associated with that. There's only room for you and God only wants you. And Jesus is the gate. He's the eye of the needle. That's what's incredible. He's the door of humility. The impossible made possible. You say to him, here's everything I think I know about living and ruling but I wanna lay it down and go your way because he's the perfect king. He's the standard that they were trying to do all through the Old Testament. He's the standard that we get to step into today. I love how the whole night leading up to this moment, the Holy Spirit has just been already speaking and moving from what Chris said to what Austin said in pre-gathering prayer. And there's this theme of um, that you uh, are no longer stuck in your sin. You're no longer stuck in what you think um, your performance needs to look like. God just wants you. And Jesus made a way for that to be enough, that you no longer have to live by an old Levitical law that says, do this, do that. That's how you earn your way into the kingdom. No, you get to just say yes to Jesus and enter into a kingdom of light. That's a miracle. Apart from God, there's a lot of impossibilities, but with him, nothing's impossible. Apart from God, you will never have enough of whatever you're chasing after. But with him, he's already enough, and everything that comes after is the added. Apart from God, you won't feel fully secure. There will always be a question of, am I enough? But with him, you're enough. You have the seal of approval of God himself over your life by his blood. It just takes a yes. And in Matthew 7, 8 through 10, Jesus tells his disciples this, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Pause. What do you think he says next? 
Just anybody, shout it out. The kingdom of heaven has come near. What's the next step? Huh? That's good. It's not that, but that's good. Thanks. Whoa. Bible trivia, ding, ding, ding. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, so freely give. Do you know how powerful that is? That you don't have to come from any specific place. You don't have to bring anything specific. It's just you and it's just Jesus. Freely you receive, so freely give. Don't hold anything back. The kingdom is accessible to anybody and that means it's supposed to be given away. Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and have it to the full. We need to know what we're sharing with people when we invite them into the kingdom. Everything that they're looking for. All right, come back to present era, 2021. I was on a plane to Ohio recently. Um, Anybody from Ohio? Yeah, (laughs) that's great. Um, Yeah, and I was listening to this podcast because the long plane ride, um, and it was about a data diet. Sounds intriguing. Uh, This really smart tech guy was explaining all this phenomena about the current age we're in. It was one of those podcasts that's kind of like um, position yourself so that you can like get what you want basically. Like it's a lot of like um, just analyzing industries and stuff and so I was listening to it and then he says this thing that just caught me in my tracks and the Lord kind of like poked me with. It says this, oh and he was talking about um, this kind of, uh, the tech industry, there's all of this new technology that's being created um, and they're discovering that if you inherit an institution or like a tech, some sort of software system or some sort of new business, if you inherit that, but you're not the founder, they're recognizing that there are edits that, those pe- that people who are not the founder can't make. And so essentially he was saying that these things are being built that nobody can lead. After they're gone, nobody can come in because they don't know how it was built. And so they're receiving something that's too big of a burden to keep sustainable. And so here's the quote. And it says, inheriting something that you couldn't build is significant because if there's an error, there's no one who can fix it. There are edits only the founder can make. That change can only be catered to by the creator. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, this is like the kingdom of God. Here we are as humans who have inherited a system, existence, life, where we're trying to act as the creator. We're trying to be the dispensers of truth and justice and righteousness. We're trying to define good, plot our own course, and design our own projects. And the result is still brokenness, pain, and cycles of despair. We can't create anything that comes close to the creator and what he's done. We're trying to fix ourselves, change our habits, change our thoughts, change and control people around us, but that's not a good way to rule. And there's only one who needs, who knows what needs to be fixed and how to do it. And his name is Jesus, the founder himself. Hebrews 12, one through three says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Despising the shame. 
I love that. In his power and his glory, we were born again because of him. I think we have too small of an idea of leadership. I think our, our idea of how we should be led is nothing compared to how the good shepherd leads us. I think sometimes we can be like, oh, I don't, I don't wanna like follow another person. What if they lead me in the wrong direction? Jesus is the perfect leader. He knows how to lead us perfectly because he founded us, he founded our faith, and he's perfecting it evermore. Like I said before, I uh, didn't actually understand the kingdom of God as being part of the gospel. Um, and I was praying and preparing for uh, this message, and the Lord brought up the, um, this picture I had a while ago. Um, and also, side note, I, this is just like a sweet kind of realization. Sometimes sharing testimonies can be like very vulnerable or like, um, yeah, that sometimes we think that there's the glory given to the testimony, the person who's giving the testimony. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys, I feel like this is from the Lord. Testimonies aren't in, in, uh, meant to invoke awe for the teller, but become praise and worship of the initiator. When you tell your testimony to people, you're not getting, like there's no glory stealing. You can't steal glory from God who has all the glory. Like he, he has all the glory already, so you don't have to hold yourself back. You don't have to hold back any promises that he's spoken over you or spoken over other people. As you share, I love God created with his words. When you speak, it's so powerful. Like the Holy Spirit is in you, so when you speak to people, you're creating something. Encouragement is speaking courage into people. And so I wanna encourage you guys and speak courage into you guys to do that to others. Don't hold yourself back. Share what God's done in your life. Anyway, back to the testimony. Um, in 2018, uh, I came back from overseas uh, in Myanmar, and um, I came home, and it was the first time in my life that I didn't have like a clear direction as to where to go next. The Lord has been very faithful in kind of um, telling me where to go from like high school through college um, up until this point. And um, I didn't like doubt him, but I was kind of getting a little uh, nervous about just not knowing what to do next. And so I had these four opportunities that kind of were on, um, on the surface of what I could um, maybe step into. One was going to North Carolina and working for a nonprofit. One was staying in Colorado and um, working with another organization. Um, and then another was going to Lake Tahoe for a coffee shop. And then the fourth one was moving to Portland because I felt like the Lord was doing something out there. So that was brewing, which is so funny. Um, so no, nothing came to fruition. There was, my resume didn't get me anywhere. My connections didn't get me anywhere, all this stuff. And, um, but this one trip uh, worked and it was a sports ministry trip to Barcelona. And um, it didn't make any sense at all because I had graduated. The trip was for basically girls in college um, and I had to fundraise. Fundraising is terrifying. Um, and shout, I'm sure some of you guys in here, I know some of you guys in here are fundraising right now, and I actually just wanna say that's one of the most um, encouraging things to just see people who trust the Lord and like will lay down their pride and like just even ask for people to support them because they've done nothing. Like that's actually a beautiful thing. So shout out to our missionaries out there. Um, okay, so I go to Barcelona and um, at this point in my life, whenever I would meet other believers in ministries, I was kind of like guarded. I was like, who are you? And like, what's your, like, how do you follow Jesus and stuff? Again, pride. Um, 
And so in the first week, I was very closed off and kind of had my idea of how I thought the trip would go. Um, and uh, after, like I said, about a week, we played our first game. And right before, um, my coach, her name was Kristen, um, her and a couple of the other coaches prayed beforehand and they asked for words for their players. Um, so before we played, they washed our feet. It was a soccer game. They washed our feet and they gave us words. Um, and at this time in my faith journey, again, that was something very uncomfortable for me. And I was like, ooh, like, am I gonna receive this thing? And she said, um, Mariah, the Lord gave me a word for you and that you're a mountain mover. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. But like, do I receive it? I, I don't know if this is like from the Lord, um, but it, it did something to me. It spoke something into me. Um, and so then we go to this international church service um, and we're talking about the kingdom tonight and this church had 11 different languages spoken. There are people from multiple continents, people of all different colors and from different backgrounds and they were all worshiping Jesus and I just like lit up. Like that was so beautiful um, and the kingdom of God is so beyond um, just our culture. It includes like a global community, which is wild. Like when you enter the kingdom of light, you get a family that's global. Um, and it was the first time, I think probably in months, we had, a, that was an awesome set of worship. Wasn't it? Wasn't that a great moment of worship? Love our worship team. We get to come to Saints Hill. We get to come here and just worship the Lord um, so purely. I think we, we uh, were praying over the worship team before and the Lord was just reminding me of um, just purity and glory. Like I think when you guys worship, there's just this sweet sense of purity um, and it's just so easy to just meet with Jesus face to face as we glorify him and lift him up and just raise him up. And so um, before uh, this trip, I had not been in settings like that. Like I hadn't been in areas I could worship um, like that in a long time and this place I stepped into it was just like it was like probably how people feel coming here I would say they walk in they're just like what like this is awesome I was just like face to face with the Lord and just worshiping um, and right then uh, my first response was like just thank you Jesus for who you are thank you for um, yeah that you are like just everything um, and then right after that I bring up my four options I'm like all right Lord Finally, you're here, I'm here. I had been praying for months to find out like what you want with my life because I didn't want to go outside of his, his plan. So I'm like, all right, Lord, am I gonna go here? Am I gonna go here? Do I wait for that? And he didn't answer. And instead, he, he gave me this picture and I was running through this giant black room and there was all these empty door frames and I was running for my life. I had so much fear. I had so much panic. Um, and... If I don't know you, I will say my response to things is not necessarily flight, it's usually fight. I'm not a very fearful person. And so the fact that I was running away in like so much fear was very significant. And in the middle of the room, I see this bright little light um, and I beeline for it and I'm running and then all of a sudden I see God on the throne. And again, at this time in my life, I didn't like think of God as like king. Like I didn't see the father um, as royalty, and it was so beautiful. He was on the throne, full splendor, um, and just light was just emitting off of him. Um, and I threw myself at his feet, and all of a sudden, all of the fear dissipated. All of the panic dissipated. And all of a sudden, I realized that my life is not dependent on where I go or what I do, that I'm not what job I get, I'm not 
where I move, the reason that I am alive, what gives me so much life is to just lay down at the feet of Jesus and just receive everything that he is. Receiving his kingdom and repenting from trying to control and build my own, I found a crazy freedom that actually led to trusting him rather than relying on myself. I had been so consumed of this is how it needs to look. This is how the gospel needs to look. This is how my relationship with God needs to look. This is how my life needs to look. That I was missing him the whole time. And so he just recentered my heart. And then after that, it was so wild, the trip and just like, and from then on, all of those opportunities that I was so like dependent on to find the answer to, um, things fell into place. Seeking first his kingdom, which is him, himself, Jesus, uh, you receive everything that your heart's going after. So Colossians 1, 13 through 23 says this. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Left under the kingdom of darkness, life apart from Jesus. We want individual kingdoms that are based on our performance based on what we've done, how we've prepared ourselves, what our resumes say. We want security, we want self-preservation, we want control. We think that we're ruling ourselves, but we're being ruled by uh, the judgment of imperfect and flippant rulers. And there's a burden that comes with that. Outside of Jesus, we're ruled by something that is far less than what he has to offer, and the outcome is chaos. But in laying down your own kingdom, in trusting Jesus as Lord of your life, we receive a better kingdom of light in relationship with God. Fully surrendered, free, without blemish, redeemed and forgiven, commissioned into a life with God, full of purpose and creating with him. What you receive now is not based on what, you done, what you've done, but what Christ has done. All night I... Uh, have just been thinking about um, just the heaviness and the despair that life was like before meeting the Lord and just the constant anxiety of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I enough? Do I have hope? And then meeting him face to face and all of a sudden this light breaking forth and just being like, wow, Lord, you're so much better than I ever could have imagined. You're actually real and you're actually transforming me. And the kingdom of God is both in-breaking and out-breaking, right? It breaks into us. It frees us from that despair. It frees us from that lack of hope. It frees us from anything that is less than what life actually was. And then it breaks out. It's like Jesus telling, telling the disciples, go proclaim the kingdom, pray for healing, cast out the mnemonic, freely you've received, so freely give. Um, so just as we begin to end, um, a couple things. First off, the kingdom of God expands at the rate of relationship. It's not about what you read as long as 
it's not about what you read, it's about what your heart is towards the Lord. If you're reading something and it's stoking a love for Jesus, yeah, keep going after that. We're not building up an accumulation of knowledge that puffs up, but love builds up. So as you pursue things, as you pursue the kingdom, check your heart and see where are you at in your love for the Lord. That's how the kingdom breaks out. It's not about more systems to set up. It's not about more things to start. It's about what he's already doing and getting in line with that because he's savior and he's Lord. He knows where to go. We follow his lead and the kingdom breaks out. You can spend your whole life accumulating what you think is wealth and end up with lack that leaves you empty. And guys, this is, um, I know a lot of you have already chosen to follow Jesus and your hearts burn for him. I like, even in worship, I'm just so grateful to be alongside just giant believers, people who see Jesus and take him at his word and follow him where he's going. Um, but we have to remember there are people who are still under the burden of bad kings, still under the burden of sin, still under the burden of um, dread. And we get to share with them an invitation into the kingdom of light. There are people who are trying to accumulate something and control what they can't. And when we do try to control what we can't, we get bound up in that, in that sin and fear. But Jesus has a message for us. Give up your project, take up my project, and watch everything you could have dreamed expand and explode and see where we go. Uh, number three, the glory that you're grasping at is nothing compared to the glory the Father wants to give you. I was talking with a friend um, a few years ago, and she, she said this one thing to me. We were talking about faith, and she wasn't a believer, and, um, but was, like, drawn to it. Like, she was like, there's something about, like, this whole Jesus thing that is, like, drawing me in, um, which I think that's the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of light doing just, like, <laughs> the thing that the Lord does. Um, but she said, the one thing I can't get over is that I want the credit for the things I do in my life. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, that kind of checks out, don't we? Don't we want the credit for everything that we get, everything that we do? But also, I was like, that doesn't feel like wrong necessarily. And it hit me, yeah, we are made for glory. So there is a desire for glory in us. That's why you see people striving after so many things. That's why you see the athlete who wins like eight Super Bowls and at the end of it is like, I don't know what to do next. That wasn't as filling as I thought it was. But you were made for glory and so the trick is, is that you actually get to enter in to the glory of Jesus, which is way more glory than anything you could do with your own life. He calls us a co-heir. He calls us co-conquerors. And so when we say yes to him, you receive glory that you're aching for. You won't miss out on nothing with Jesus as king. In his kingdom, your work has purpose. In his kingdom, you are reincorporated into the family of God. In his kingdom, death and destruction lose their authority over your life and darkness is rendered powerless in every situation. In his kingdom, dead things come alive, addictions are broken, hope is restored. In his kingdom, anything is possible inside and out. Watch healing unfold physically, mentally, emotionally, Watch lies be uprooted and replaced with truth when you follow his lead. Watch enemies become friends. When you say yes to the lordship of Jesus, you are changed as a carrier of his kingdom. You have the blood of the founder in you now. 
the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. And here's the kicker, you're um, able to ask the founder himself questions. Isn't that wild? You have a renewed mind. You get to ask the creator face to face, all right, Lord, how should I do this? Where should I go? But the first invitation is to relationship with him. That's where it starts. That's where the kingdom of light breaks out, where you're just loved by him, where he calls you my beloved. This is the gospel, and it's for everyone who repents out of their own kingdoms and into God's. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table, riches or debt, you'll receive more than you could imagine and enter into the glory that you were made for. Um, So we're going to transition into um, a time of ministry. Um, And before we do, I just want to encourage you, um, this is really good news. And as we go through this series, it is easy to bring in an idea of how we think it should look. Um, There have been multiple times in my life where um, I was like, I don't know, Jesus, like that seems too scary to give you permission to speak into. I wanna hold that back. And there's an invitation tonight to ask him face to face, Lord, where do you want me to step further into the kingdom of light? And the gospel is very simple. It's just a yes. It's just a yes to Jesus. It's saying, yeah, you are savior, I'm not. You're Lord, I'm not. And you receive a kingdom of light and are delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. Um, So we're gonna uh, actually pray, uh, yeah, the Lord's Prayer. So if you all wanna just stand up with me um, and then we're gonna invite worship team up and Austin to give words. Um, I wasn't gonna put this in tonight and at the beginning of of prepping, uh, the line that came to mind was the end one and I was like, I don't know if if we should actually say this or not and Austin in pre-gathering prayer, (laughs) he was like, man, I uh, never think about the Lord's Prayer, but it popped in my head, and so we prayed this in pre-gathering, um, and this is what we're doing as a family, is this prayer. So, starting with our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to step into time of ministry. And I first just want to invite any of you up where you feel like your hope is based on something that um, is in the Lord. If there's anything in your heart where you're like actually seeking a kingdom outside of his Um, And prayer team, uh, you can start coming up and then Austin has some words. Um, And I just also wanna encourage you guys, there's a a fresh invitation to carry this out and to go and meet the people who are under kingdoms of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and invite them into the narrow gate of Jesus. Um, And it's so good. The kingdom of light is so, is everything that we're trying to grasp without the Lord. And so if you feel like you want um, prayer, kind of for courage, um, please come up and uh, get prayer for that. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.